Jess, how's it going? It's going okay. Gloomy Tuesday here in Southern California. Yeah. Um, it's been a minute since we've done one. But you know, we're probably like getting the hole on these bonuses. So should we do like a bonus pod for this? For this Let's week? do it. Yeah. All right. So we were like, uh, it sounded like we just wanted to jump on and see what topics were uh, would sort of take hold. And you and I were brainstorming a little bit, and um, I guess we could kind of aimed in the direction of this concept of like leaving America. You had you had read um, an article in the LA Times. Was it your LA Times or New York Times about Korean American diaspora? I think second generation that were like leaving the United States altogether and basically just relocating to Korea. Yeah, it was an LA Times article. Mm-hmm. Um, Oh, uh, they left South Korea for the American dream. Now their children are moving back. Yeah, it's a it's a CNN travel piece. That's kind of funny. <laughs> yeah, I mean that sounds so familiar. I mean, I know several people that are either have either done it or are thinking about it or plan to do it in the future. Which kind of like half half includes myself, you know. I mean, definitely me. I mean, definitely mm-hmm. making trying to make a make moves like uh korea altered their uh citizenship and visa rules fairly recently like within the last like decade um so the f4 visa means uh you get um the the creation of the f4 visa uh and uh different it, and you can now you can i think you can actually be a dual citizen again uh, with south korea between south korea and the u.s before you could be a dual citizen but you had to declare at 18 yeah um so um i asked my mom to look into all that she's going she's traveling back this summer so i said while you're there can you look up all of this with an eye towards like uh renewing citizenship or securing that visa uh for myself yeah i mean i think like this is people are you know it's such a big topic but like i know there is there's an aspect to this where it's like you know that article did talk about this too like sort of the cultural um sort of finding a new cultural home and putting it in these very sort of like cultural terms and kind of skipping you know the fact that it's 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 a lot easier for like you know educated high skill americans to like go abroad especially after you save some money here in the u.s Mm -hmm. to do that because if you want to come up in the South Korean system, I don't really see that as being like favorable to the United States personally. I, I find it to like China as well, Taiwan, you know, it's all very like high pressure. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's like very competitive. I know South Korea is, is, is infamous for being competitive. Yeah. And, and a lot of, you know, the people who can, um, I mean, I guess, I, I don't know, like in the, have you noticed this, like in the chats, like in our discord and stuff, it's very like, you know, it's all diaspora Asian, second generation, some one and a half gen. Mm-hmm. And, you know, uh, there's a lot of frustration we, we with have, America, but I do feel have like the we, distinction of having a fourth generation uh, Asian American. Oh, really? Yeah. What's up, CS? Oh, fourth gen. He's fourth generation. Wow. Yeah. He's fourth generation. Yeah. 
Um, but like, I feel like that comes with a certain, and I, I've noticed this in myself too. So I'm not, you know, I'm not saying this to accuse people or anything. I'm just saying that there, there comes with that, you know, a certain idealized view of Asia being sort of having all the things that we find missing here in America. And I'm like, you can, you, we have the benefit or privilege of feeling that way, especially if you go later in life and with a little bit of money where you've, you know, gotten past all the really hard parts of life, like, you know, the competition for, you know, the competition for university entrance and jobs and stuff. So, mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, we're past that point. I mean, I, I remember that, like, uh, you know, poetically longing pieces about, you know, missing pieces of identity, uh, you know, crying and crying in Incheon, you know, that that sort of thing. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, you know, <laughs> visiting the motherland and finally feeling whole. Uh, yeah. th- all that's very dramatic. I'd- very dramatic not not to discount you know feeling like empty or unfulfilled as a person right that is that is mm-hmm. that is a struggle yeah. um it's just i think we're slowly getting past that point where it's just about like fulfillment or satisfaction in life or feeling complete and accepted and whole as a person um we're inching towards some more hard practical realities like the same piece they kind of they kind of gloss over it a little bit but like take these two sentences back to back like it might seem an odd desire given many have never set foot in south korea but the lure of acceptance and belonging in an ancestral homeland is strong particularly when set against the racism gun violence and anti-asian hate crimes rampant in the u.s Mm. yeah right it's mm-hmm. a it's a it's a hilariously odd tone to take that it's that's set against a backdrop of like acceptance and and a desire uh ancestral the romance of going to the ancestral homeland and what these people what's top of mind for these people that are actually making these decisions is am i gonna get fucking hate crimed trying to get to work mm-hmm. right yeah. um so this it's it's like there's a there's a there's a lag in the in the discourse like they're not quite meeting these people exactly where they are right now it's still kind of taking the taking the emotional tone that a piece like this would have been written like say 10 20 years ago Mm. um so in that sense this is more like these are some people feeling like keenly some sense of threat here it's not really about a preference even or wanting to just feel more complete as a human it's literally just wanting to be to not get to not have their kids face gun violence and feeling squeezed out of their socioeconomic class here in the States. And basically like, this is like, this is like soft refugeeism kind of, I guess. Um, and the, and the, the discourse is not quite there yet. So it was, it was kind of a curious piece because, um, it felt like it was kind of bridging, bridging the two eras of Asian American, uh, writing, yeah, no, I hear you. Uh, meaning, it's it's the the carrot still seems to be traditional, you know, eighties, nineties type stuff. But the the stick, the the degree to which you know we're running away from America uh, rather than running into the arms of you know Korea or wherever, um, that's starting to heat up. That's starting to become a bigger and bigger story. And that that part of it actually kind of both raises my sympathy for people who want to do that 
especially like if the because like the big issue is especially if you're raising kids it's like are you gonna raise an american or are you gonna raise like someone you know a korean or a chinese you know mm-hmm. like that's a huge difference you know between out very of outcomes so. for your kids you know yeah and very so much i think so. that's a very interesting question but like um part of me is starting to wonder whether running away from something is necessarily a good idea because it's some... it, it it might you might be blind as to what or naive or misinformed as to ru- what you're running into you know and i don't think asia solves all problems you know like it's not it's really not that no way. and you're correct yeah. right you could be naive about about all of that it's just it's just a matter of how keenly you feel the disadvantage or the outright threat of staying where you are right like could you have said that about like the w- wave of emig- immigration out of asia into the us in like the 60s and 70s right like are you sure you understand america uh before you make this jump and probably a lot of people uh, if they were being honest would have to say no or they they are they they did not know what they didn't know right in in making that jump to come to the states but it's just they made the calculation that staying put was going to be worse than making rolling the dice and 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 hopping a plane to come to the u.s yeah and i and and um yeah i don't know i don't know there's just something about the idea of running away from this that feels like there's something off. There's just something off about it. You know, like wanting to go to Asia for whatever reason, taking, having an opportunity there, just, you know, there's something there for you. Makes sense to me, but thinking of Asia as the solution to your problems here doesn't. And I say that because I've known people who, think that a change in geography is always the solution to stuff and it's not a lot of people feel mm-hmm. this way there's, there's a strong fight or flight thing and i it's the flight part of fight or flight i think where uh you know i have friends who are just like man if i you know when i was younger growing up you know like i, I would have friends that would just i'm thinking of people in particular you know but they would have these hyper idealized notions of like what it would mean to go to Ann Arbor, Michigan, or go, you know, go to Northern California, go or go to, I don't know, uh, relocate to Tokyo or something. And Mm -hmm. that if they only did that, that, you know, it would just solve all their problems, and they would be living the life they always wanted to live. Um, And it, it just doesn't. It's just like, no, it it doesn't, it it won't. Um, And I think, uh, I think, Everyone who takes that decision seriously has to has to accept that, you know, the life that you the parts of life that you like. And surely there are if you are of a certain income level, education level, you you know, privilege, so to speak, like there's probably going to be a lot of aspects to your life here that you enjoy. Right. And a lot. Most of that will not transfer over in quite the same way. It's just a matter of what do you what do you think you are maximizing right like i can be a little bit more direct about this like lately i've been thinking more about actually considering starting a family um as i'm thinking through that decision a part of the part of my thought process that you know was um that kind of upset me a little bit is how much of america i'm trying to dodge Mm. 
right? Yeah. Like, do mm-hmm. that? Do I want them in the public school system? Do I even do I like um like I I came up in a very good public school system, but you know, there's parts of that experience I I don't wish I wouldn't wish my children to go through to experience. Um, I, not to say that I I like the private school system. Um, it, it's part just in game planning it out. It's it's like like obviously I want them to not be exposed to like to like freaking like the the chance of like a shooting at their school or some shit but like even more directly than that it's like do i want them do i want them raised as americans culturally socially do i want them to grow up with that set of cultural expectations you know expectations yeah. for how their life is going to turn out uh, who do i want them to be as people right and a large part of that is like me trying to curate a, a, a childhood, an experience for these prospective kids. That's dodging huge parts of what makes America, America. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't even want them. I don't want them watching like Marvel stuff and like already how much culture, shared culture are they going to not be clued into then? Right. Yeah. So it's, it's, kind of, so I'm not saying like, I definitely. I don't, would, here's the thing. I don't even know what being an american kid now entails going forward because i you know i'm I'm not really sure that that has any meaning right now (laughs) like i think it's i i I I think it just means that i don't think the generations have their own like like innate characteristic which is how the the how it's always presented as like oh millennials are x or boomers are x it's tied to the conditions of the country right and i don't see great i don't see a lot of optimism for the broader prospects of the country so of course like the people growing up in it and you know taking up the mantle of being like workers in that system are going to be are going to be responsive to to their prospects. Yeah. I mean I I think like growing up in America is going to be like um America's less capitalistic than we think it is and it's more feudal. Um, um and so I don't think that there's as strong a capitalist meritocracy, so to speak, as there was, say, in our time when we were coming. Uh, up? There definitely isn't. I mean, when what yeah. remains of the mid, the quote middle class, and we've talked about this multiple times on on this pod, like the middle class is basically the the bureaucratic class to the one percent, the enforcer class for the one percent. I don't think it stands alone as a as a as an entity with its own uh, standalone. Uh, class uh characteristics or perspectives or interests that they pursue no and they're um, that is a, they're, that is a they're problem kept, they're kept precarious too very precarious so you know this is roughly what we've been what what we've been referring to as the next nine not not our term but we've i think we've talked through that quite a bit in other pods so there's the one percent which is which is the billionaire class um they get they get dragged through the press every so often but that's the that's it's supposed to like i think rhetorically we're supposed to think of it as the one percent versus everyone else but when we're talking about the quote middle class, we're talking about the next nine, the two to ten percent of American society, possibly the top, possibly the top fifteen percent, depending on how you wanna how you wanna how you wanna raise that. So by no means is it even a middle, right? It's still the upper quartile of American society. 
Um, but their particular characteristics is that they are the bureaucrat, the well-paid bureaucratic class to that one percent. Yeah, middle middle only in the sense that they're there. It's a three. It, you're you're thinking about it as a three tier class system, right? Which it has to be because you cannot have direct contact between two classes; otherwise, you get a class revolution. Right. right? And you, never, need, like, you need a dielectric layer. And yeah. <laughs> that's what you mean. That's what we mean by middle, not average, not 50 percentile, but yeah. middle. Certainly layer. not that yeah. half of them, not certainly that half of the class that half of Americans belong to. That doesn't exist. Yeah. And let's um, face it. It's a race to be in that class. Yeah. This is a right? constant. It does. It's not heritable. Uh, so this is what this is the class that is super anxious about getting their kids into the right schools, get the right credentials, because they cannot like lawyer parents cannot cannot transmit being a lawyer to their children by birthright. They are not going to preserve enough. They're not going to have enough wealth in their lifetime. They might be able to have a comfortable lifestyle, but a good part of that is going to have to be dedicated to training up their kids to rejoin that class when it's, when it's their turn. Uh, it's, it has to constantly churn. Uh, there is no, there isn't, you, it's not heritable status. So it really is a feudal structure. That's how it worked. You had the you had the top, you know, one ish percent. That's the nobility, royalty, landed aristocracy. There's the uh, mercantile class beneath, right beneath that. So tradesmen, business people, uh, like uh, lawyers, presumably politicians, etc. Um, you know, whatever passed for medicine, probably I don't know. Um, probably mostly tradespeople, I guess, in that class. And then below that are like servants, farm farmers. Um, Etc. Yeah, and I think we're finding that that even that class is starting to shrink. Uh, yeah. We're seeing a lot of um, you know layoffs start in in you know the the removal of a lot of excess um, of a lot of excess white collar, you know. Yeah. So this next nine and the, the next fifteen, let's say, it's shrinking constantly and oh, yeah, there's a direct sure. yeah. and part of the uh, part of the uh the the motivations for like all these headlines if you're talking about like ai or layouts or something it's directly a war on that next nine yeah it and there if you notice i mean i i don't have i don't think we have stats for it or at least i don't i don't have any stats for it but it seems like they're going after like younger workers first and uh, i think so yeah, yeah, I mean that's so, how it works for soft software uh, for tech for tech. Like a lot yeah, of the so stuff. So like the older, uh, the older, more established people are still, you know, protecting their turf. They're not going to let themselves go, mm-hmm. you know. Um, so, you know, it's another, you know, it's barriers that younger people um, are going to find. You know, the, the gates are not lifting for them, and so yeah. So I can understand why people might want to raise their kids outside the United States, uh, where maybe there's more room for growth. You know, maybe the that place, you know, it's not quite as ossified socially and economically as it is in the United States. And at the same time, uh, maybe there's a more cohesive social, like a more cohesive culture and a stronger sense of cultural identity. And the U.S., I don't know. For me, I, I find that the United States for you know if you're not already wealthy um it 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 doesn't seem like an ideal i'm not saying you shouldn't raise kids here but i'm just saying like it's less than ideal let's put it that way like 
it, it was better before. And I, I just get this strong feeling like it's worse now. And and I think most of my almost all of my parent friends would, would agree that, you know, the situation for their own children, uh, especially when they get to like high school and you know, start thinking about stuff. It's mm-hmm. much, it's what thing, things are hard. It's much harder. Like my nephews are one of my nephews just took the SAT. And you know, if you look at the chances, like the the, the stats for admission to top tier to what I thought were pretty like mid range schools, like mm-hmm. I don't want to insult anyone, but like Johns Hopkins in my time was not considered like you know a terribly hard school to get into. Now it's like fucking impossible to get in there. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, a lot of schools are like really hard to get into now, and and really expensive once you make it there. What was it like, so Columbia? Top so six expensive. figures. Uh, that was the law school, but yeah, like the law undergrad school. will probably be set you back eighty grand, you know, a year. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, it just seems like the the level of competition has gone up. What at the same time? Well, I guess it makes sense they go hand in hand. It's like the competition is higher and the and the prizes are smaller mm-hmm. and fewer. And you know, every time there's a there's there's a, a headwind. You know, they let it's the young people who like get get let go of. Yeah, it's a we have no problem. interest in developing them, basically. Yeah, it's not a pro- there is no pipeline for development. Um, it's it's gonna become a problem. Um, well, it already is a problem, I would say, but it's gonna get worse. Like software engineering, right? A lot of the like uh, junior level work, uh, that's the one that gets hardest hit by outsourcing or now this push to AI. Like AI is not a remote threat to the field of software engineering. Like, like don't believe the hype, but there's definitely a layer of work that was already under attack. And that's it's like sending, sending like junior level work overseas, making, making it a contract position. And it's also the easiest. That's the one that I see like AI could potentially start nibbling at fairly soon. Mm-hmm. Right. Like, like putting HTML and CSS together, stuff like that, basic JavaScript, um, but the problem with, with taking that layer of workout is that like they're not going to progress in their job. Someone ha- they have to start somewhere and keep building to get to the senior levels and higher. And we ju- we're just completely de- disregarding that. Um, that like what are we doing to our workforce in that case? Like five ten years down the line, we're just not going to have as many senior developers. Like I think it's a mutual it's a mutual lack of interest too. I mean, like at the law firm. Uh, you know, it just seems less, um, there just seems to be less of an interest in developing, uh, junior attorneys. And at the same time, junior attorneys seem to come in with a fairly, like, with a fairly low expectation, set of expectations and commitment to, you know, the firm. I mean, the idea of being committed to a firm and going all the way and becoming partner or whatever is almost like, it's almost, you know, it's almost, it's outdated. It's obsolete. And at the, so at the same time, it, you know, I've noticed the partners really don't have much interest in really spending a lot of time training uh, junior attorneys, which is why I'm there. They're, they're like leaning heavier on like, you know, more mid-career and, and even late-career, I don't know about late-career, but like mid-career attorneys like myself who are have already developed skills or whatever and they're just like you know what fuck it we'll just keep you you guys on just stay here permanent middle class you know no more yes. developing new talent 
to, so to collectively learn. we're kind of saying like no new generations kind like, of that's how it feels like in law yeah i can't really I mean, say I think for the rest of industry but i see it, it, it really doesn't seem it you know yeah I see it very, very strongly. Like medicine, I won't speak too. I won't speak too much about it. But like at one point, I really was. Um, I really was on the pre med. Tra- like I was determined to become a doctor. Um, it just was like random chance that I didn't. So I got to see it. Like um, that. Like the AMA has really throttled the supply of doctors, right? So we still keep new doctors in the pipeline, but. They make it super hard to get into the pipeline and then finish and get licensed and get set up. You're saddled with a ton of debt uh, and there's far too few, again, to preserve income generating ability for, you know, for all doctors as a whole. What is that? But so it's great for them, I suppose. Um, what's it say for the rest of us, though? And if it's so hard to become a doctor, if eventually they're going to make it so hard that more and more people just choose not to. Maybe they won't because it is one of the few like meritocratic uh, industries that you can just grind and 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 vault yourself into a reasonable salary. But even that's shrinking too. Doctors are not getting paid what they used to. And, and also the job. I mean, the job satisfaction rate for doctors is in the quit. The quit rate is yeah. like super. It's super low and super high. Meaning, like no one's happy. Very few people are happy, and a lot of people are ditching that that field. You know, yeah, wa- tons. I, I know so many with like substance abuse problems, just mm-hmm. a, a ton of problems. And we're talking like people that have barely been like practicing for like five, ten years, so yeah. barely mid career. And I bet, well, I bet, middle the, age, it, but not mid career. I, I bet the picture is different. You know, if you go, if you're like you know um blue chip you know like if you're if you're coming in through like a harvard medical school or something like that you Mm -hmm. know or or something you know i'm sure i'm sure the experience is still you know really good but like i I guess i'm i'm saying like whereas before you know i felt that the ability to get onto a career path and be a part of um you know a career arc in an industry where there was a commitment to develop talent at like inter at regular intervals where you were supposed to progress from someone first year, second year, third year, fourth, you know, like there was a process for you to get to that level of like mid-career expertise. I feel mm-hmm. like that's starting to uh, get, get be, become more and more reserved just for the truly elite. And that's mm-hmm. why there's such an, there's, there is such a, a push by parents who kind of know, kind of had their finger on the pulse of what's going on. They're like, no, I need you, you guys need to go to top schools now. Whereas before I felt, I have always felt comfortable saying like, you know, you don't really need to go to a top school. I didn't really go to a top school for undergrad. You know, it's not, you know, it's fine. It's totally fine. I'm not sure about that anymore. I don't know. I think it depends on where you are. Like I, um, one thing I, 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 I'm very convinced about, uh, now is that the Ivy League um, anxiety is different based on where you live or where you grow up. Like I just don't think it's that much of an impair as big of an imperative to get into a top notch school, a top notch Ivy League, if you are on the West Coast, like you know, basically California. I don't think it factors in quite as strongly. Like everyone knows, like everyone's like it's nice if you go to Harvard. A lot of people will be striving really hard to making those top-notch schools, but it's also not as like critical 
to success, I think. And I'm going to give a lot of credit to the to the University of California and Cal State and Cal State system for that. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I don't want to say I don't want to overstate it. I mean, it is. But it like, is to still... be, but like, like UC Berkeley, UCLA are world class institutions. They're also really fucking hard to get into right now. They are very hard to get into, like, and it's really getting more get and more into. expensive, especially if yes. you're not in California. So functionally, they are, you know, probably it, like let's say if you're not from California. Um, it's functionally just another it's it's in the ivy echelon um in terms of quality of education and they're all they're both in super high cost of living cities much like much like boston or new york or something so you are you're not exactly getting um you're not going to be getting a deal necessarily to get into so the barrier to entry just keeps getting higher and higher while the actual rewards of making it through keep shrinking like you tell me where the value proposition is in that. Like, of course, it seems obvious to me that more people are thinking of ways to opt out of the whole thing. Yeah. Um, and the most extreme form of that is probably going to be, you know, in people who just leave the country entirely. So that's the real thing that these, like these articles, uh, and I think we're going to see more and more of these, right? Uh, people leaving the country to go set up, set up their lives, um, somewhere overseas like either their like ancestral homeland or just i don't know portugal or so, or something i don't know um that's the old like it's a it's it's people presumably who have options here who have means here who simply did the math and the value proposition simply was not was not strong enough to keep them put staying put opted into the system here like yeah I don't know. It seems like a fairly straightforward analysis. The math just isn't mathing, so people are are leaving. I'm looking at uh, a tweet. Diane Feinstein is supported is reportedly surrounded at all times by aides who ex- have to explain what's happening uh, as she's constantly confused. They remind her how to vote and w- where and when to vote. Uh, she's 89 years old and uh, looks like she really should be retired. And uh, this is a perfect example of how we're not making way for the next generation. <laughs> no, we're not. Like, there's nobody. There's, uh, she's 89. Talent isn't I mean, being developed. Like, hang it up, you know? Like, just go live your, yeah. go live your life, please. I mean, this is, this is elder abuse at this point, I, no, I think. No, it's not, because she wants it. She well, does wants she? it. Yes. Does she, though? Uh, see, I don't know. Maybe she does. Maybe she does. And then that, maybe she's perfectly sound of mind. But if she has to be reminded of this of this stuff, and I read other like, articles, like, that line is getting very blurry. Like, is she writing her opinions? Is she actually staying apprised, staying on top of this stuff? Or is it AIDS that she are She could quit any time. No one, can, no one can force Diane Feinstein, who's worth $200 million, to do anything. But... You know, she's she's just an. Ex- I mean, the the president is what? How old is he? Eighty five, eighty four. Let's see, old. Um, but yeah, you're you're right. Like it's like from top to bottom, it's just a refusal to develop new talent. Allow like give way for that. Develop it. Uh, let's see. He is born nineteen forty two. Yeah, so he's 80, 81, 82. Uh-huh. Uh yeah, I mean this this is this is it's a, a gerontocracy over here and 
I I just don't feel like there is much interest. There's much of a commune. I mean, think about it. Like, there's just not much. Here we go. We're getting depressing. We're getting depressing. Yeah, uh, well, it's a Jess and Teen special, so you know what you're getting. We circled around, but now we're getting sucked we down tried. the drain. We uh, tried. But here we go. Full on. We do not think of ourselves as a country or society that is collectively raising a generation. We don't care. We wage war on the younger generation. We call them all sorts of names. We raise them and imbue them with all sorts of problems. And then we blame them for their own problems. Mm -hmm. Kids these days are so fucking stupid. You know, they're so dumb. They're just on their phone all day. We gave them the phone. Yeah, then we blame yeah. them for for being yes. on it all the time. I mean, that's you know? this is the millennial slander I basically spent twenty years listening to from the boomers. This yeah. shit started in like I remember reading about like how awful millennials were back when I was in college, right? Such a like bore. oh they and like for, written by boomers, like okay, who fucking if if we're so bad, who fucking taught us like this? Who raised us to be this way? It's you yeah. guys. It's because we don't have that feeling that of like a generalized national I'll say it a nationalist feeling that this is collectively our children. We don't feel that way. Yeah, we're not acting like we a country. hate everyone's kids except our own. Let's face it. Let's face and, it. And even then that's 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 not exactly that's, a foolproof proposition either. Uh yeah. I we don't act we're not acting like a country. We're acting like some kind of pirate free trade anarchy zone yes. here. Yes, like that's the why idea? the school. That's why the school homeschooling thing is taking off because it's like, yeah. I, why do I need my kids to spend time with all these other kids? Who are these kids? They don't matter, and the reality is they don't matter. I don't think you know what. I just don't think like people yeah, are so going to have high yeah. school friends when they're older. They're not going to be like, oh yeah, we were hometown, but no, you know. Well, I, I mean. We're gonna. I, I think a lot about homeschooling. I think it's a very interesting phenomenon. It deserves far more attention than it's actually getting. But we're gonna do that with Eliza since she is actually in the trenches of that. I think she has a lot of interest, interesting thoughts on that. Um, but I'm glad you touched on that. But yeah, it's yeah, well, like it's how homesteaders used to do it. Yeah, you know? it's a homestead mentality. Like and and then you know the push was to you know centralized schools, um, put kids in a place all at once so they can be taught the same thing. We thought it was important that all of our you know taxpaying voting adults have a a broad set of skills, and these were the skills we said that was necessary for that. Um, you know, put kids there so parents could go to work, and then now we're regressing back to the prior model. Uh, is that a bad thing? Is that a good thing? I don't know. Jury's still out on that. I think, but I think the reasons why people are 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 leaving the centralized school system are very interesting. You know, and they really range. Like not agreeing with the curriculum, not feeling like it's uh, rigorous enough, or are tailored to their to their to their preferences. Uh, and probably a big one is trying to avoid uh, weirdos and psychos at school, some of which might pop off and turn violent. I know that's uh you know I, I if if I had kids I would strongly consider homeschooling. Yeah, I mean I don't know if I would be scared enough of the school shooting thing to like actually act on it, but um, 
Yeah, it's certainly like a. It's not nice to think about. Like it, it has to be in your head, right? Like how you want to, how you want to rate it as an active threat it can vary from from parent to parent, I suppose. But if you're in America, there's no way that it's like out of the realm of possibility, right? And that's something that's very different. That's a very very big difference between say us and name a country. Yeah, no, that's, I mean, like Serbia, you know, they had one recently and the whole country went crazy. And oh, yeah, yeah, you sent, you sent me that. Yeah. yeah. I mean, for, a, for, for various reasons, I, there's a lot going on in Serbia, but mm-hmm. they, that that was a showstopper for a lot of people. You uh-huh. know, whereas I mean, here, that has to like normalize. I mean, it ha- it's, a, it's, a, it's, it's a mark of a, it, this is how a country has to act, right? You have to, you have to have safeguards for the young. You have to have safeguards for the elderly. Right. There are just some things that civilizations need to have in order to thrive and even fucking just continue to survive. Right. You can't be generations cannot be at war with each other and and and, and expect society to keep moving forward. It's just simply not going to happen. Hold my Bud Light. We're going to see. You know, I mean, I mean, you say we can't, but we are going to do it. Well, so. then it's going to be, then it's going to head towards, then it's decline into some crisis moment when we just fall below the accept any, whatever minimum threshold that we collectively have. And it's going to be a long, painful time reorganizing but, and but, readjusting. But even if that happens, and I think it's happens. already happening, the cl- the reaction, there will be no collective reaction. It'll be a series of individual reactions, which is I'm pulling out. Yeah. I am so, pulling out. I'm pulling my kid out of this school. I'm pulling out of this state. I'm I'm going, you know, I'm hightailing it out. And there's going to be, def- you know, just people f- either falling out of the system or, you know, just leaving, uh, you know, leaving for other places, whether it's the interior of the country or a place like Florida or whatever, Texas, get the fuck out of here, get, you know, leave the coasts. That's happening. And for others, like those Korean Americans in Los Angeles, they're going to Korea. Mm-hmm. You know, and they're just they're like, I don't you know, they just don't. I don't know if it's because like necessarily that America's that disastrous in terms of like, oh, my kids will never find a job. You know, I don't know if it comes down to that. I do think it comes down to like it's it, it's hard to find real deep commitment to whatever project we're supposed to be embarking on, especially if you're young, because I don't think anyone has articulated a clear program for how you're supposed to, like, what your life is supposed to be like. And we call that freedom. So it's like, yeah, you have no idea what your life is supposed to be about. No one's watching out after you. No one cares about you. There's no real program, and the programs that are there are all falling apart, and they're getting harder and harder and more expensive to even get into. You'd be lucky just to be in, you know, in some sort of cohesive, like, career program or career arc. So it's, de- it's declining into hedonism and uh, and psychosis, right? Like those charts about, you know, what do kids want to be when they grow up? And it's like YouTubers always at the top, you know, OnlyFans yeah. probably is on the list somewhere, right? It's, Let's it's face it, a lot of the work that needs to be done is unsexy. And no one wants to be a painter. No one wants to be a carpenter. No one wants to be an auto mechanic. No one wants to be an electrician. 
You know, they it's don't want to do that shit. Vision for like you have to have some kind of durable vision of the future, right? A lot of these things you have to invest a lot of time and effort, like personal capital, into before you see any kind of reward, right? Um, if you don't have a stable vision of the future, some certainty that when you when if you do invest all this time of yours into this project, that there will be something waiting for you at the end that makes it worthwhile. Of course, you're gonna go jump immediately to the to the instant payoff, um, quick reward scheme. Of course, it's gonna and it's and the easiest things to leverage to do that is gonna be cheap, uh, salacious entertainment of some kind, prurient interest. I think I think when we're when we were an ascendant country, and we were creating more and more you know su- ultra high profit industries, that there was no doubt that all these like potential elites, you know, the potentates that we were creating coming out of our university system, et cetera, they were going to have a place, a permanent place in this new, um, whatever you want to call it, you know. Um, this meritocratic this new... overclass. Um, yeah. And you yeah, know, there's a logic to that. There was a, there's a, there's a hierarchy that, that merit, a true meritocracy produces that feels fair, right? This is saying like people who are talented work hard, right? You know, um, like maximize the, maximize your, your gifts uh, or just pursue a thing, you know, rigorously enough that you achieve, you know, the credential or, you know, the accomplishment that you need to, to get uh and then you you rise to the level of that that affords you in society that feels fair it's not birthright it's not random chance um like i i hate i hate the the lionizing of like genius that we do because we turn like we turn being smart into kind of an identity do you know what I mean? Like it's it's less about like working hard and, and maximizing your talents and more like, oh no, they're just born great. They're just meeting their destiny and this is why they are where they are. Mm-hmm. A- aside, uh, that's a, that's an aside. But I, that kind of society makes some kind of makes some kind of, I could abide by that, right? To know that the people who are making calls or at, you know, high levels of society, they they put in the work and they are clearly good at what they do, right? Like you could you can see the logic in that, right? Uh, yes, but I also see it more like, but yeah, okay. I mean, the, the basic premise. Yeah, sure. Yeah. So back to feudalism, we're, we're going backwards from that. Now the class that produced those, you know, they like maybe the meritocratic winners of generations past. Now that accumulated capital is keeping their children, their dumbass children somewhere in that same class. Like they just leverage all their accumulated capital uh, to just securing a sinecure, basically, for their their unqualified children to still be. Oh, yeah. in I mean, that, they're corrupting that... the shit out of the system. Yeah, it's happening right before our very eyes, and we don't. So care. it's nepotism. That's a huge. And they're wrapping hu- anywhere, anytime you see people, rich people, uh, insisting that what they're doing is for social benefit. You know, I'm talking about affirmative action. Um. Whenever they start saying like, "Look, we've got to deconstruct the meritocracy to benefit the poor and the underprivileged," I'm like, "No, you're not. No, you're doing it no. to to benefit your own kids. Let's not let's not be naive here. Okay, you don't give a shit. Nobody. First of all, nobody gives a shit about anyone else's kids. Least of all, the uh the kind of wealthy, <laughs> right? Yeah. I mean, 
maybe the super wealthy really do care because they got literally nothing else to do and and they can afford anything right mm-hmm. so maybe they have the luxury of being like yeah i'm just a moral being you know but like mm-hmm. uh but look if they're if their bottom line is threatened they're gonna act in their own interest too and you know that next rung of like rich people who are like not headline rich people but they're just rich people they're corrupting the shit out of the system you saw those people that were throwing money at the at the school i mean i don't don't even have to talk about it but they're corrupting the shit out of the system and they're saying they're doing it for the poor people and what they're really doing is they're crowding out other potential competitors and elites that's what they're they're saying and they're really just giving that's why asians i think feel this particularly hard because a lot of asians are not you know, we're, we're we're only here two, three generations at most. And so, you know, we're, we haven't taken, we're, we're just not as established as some of these other, you know, uh, people, these other families who will very quickly elbow out the Asians as like low hanging fruit to kick off the boat. Mm-hmm. And that's why I think a lot of Asians, you know, it's not just the, vi- I think we say the violence and stuff because it is um, more understandable to people if we say that. But I think mm-hmm. it's also the sense that we're like, they're being nudged. Like America is tr- is a place where upward mobility is becoming a shrinking resource. It's drying up, and there is this feeling I think among Asians that we're being elbowed out. You know, and and the the old the um the more old line Americans, let's say, are are starting to secure their spot. You know, so your 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 kid that you trained so dutifully to like ace the SATs or whatever. Well, guess what? They don't care about the SATs anymore. <laughs> yeah. they, don't care. They, don't, they don't care. There's yeah. no meritocracy. I mean, if you delete, there's no standardized testing in the United States anymore for college, college entrance is where, where we're heading. Um, I don't know that. I don't know if I'm I mean, biased it's, it's, towards testing, a, but I just feel like that's weird. It's not everyone does that. Okay. Correct thing to say that you're opposed to meritocracy, right? Like you've heard the rhetoric that like meritocracy is actually white supremacy, etc. Like it's considered. You know what's liberal, white supremacy is a correct is... liberal position to have that meritocracy is is the wrong is is wrong. Like, I don't know if anyone's actually like dug into the implications of that. So at at so at yeah, top so. from top to bottom, we're basically saying meritocracy sucks. Like this is not how we want to reorder society anymore. Of course, the rich don't want that, right? The rich oh, and I, powerful they want. I, I think I think people who say that are are completely accurate. We don't want meritocracy. And we don't. It, and, and the ones never, that we don't want to be about that because what we want to do is preserve. Uh, or what what the people with influence and power want to do is they want to reserve and and uh, bequeath that to their to their offspring to the next generation, which is yeah. why we're obs- so obsessed with shows like Yellowstone and Succession, right? <laughs> I mean, uh-huh. we're obsessed with like how is the wealth going to who's going to inherit all this great shit. And we're supposed to cheer for that. We're supposed to go, oh, this money should successfully pass along yeah. to some worthy heir. That's yeah. the extent of it. Like, we just want the right undeserving mm-hmm. heir to, to to win it. But the idea that it's all going to fall apart, that the IRS is going to come seize half of it, or, you know, they're going to piss it all away. That's the bad ending. Yeah. So yeah, but I, at, I just even think... at, but then the one, but then there's a ton of useful idiots. It's not just the rich saying we're against meritocracy. They would never say that. They would absolutely never say that. 
it's the activist class who says meritocracy is white supremacy. They're being the useful idiots. They get their shit through. So now, like, aren't the numbers in? Like, the numbers of, like, like legacy students has actually been the biggest bump? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So they, that's a they, direct they, that, handout that, to the rich. Out. Yeah, that's a direct handout to... So their their rhetoric that meritocracy serves, you know, they, they, they want... No, it's bullshit. It's completely they want bullshit. They want to... Do, to dismantle it so that underprivileged kids, particularly black and brown kids, can get a leg up in society. That's complete bullshit. Yeah. They just did the legwork so the actual rich can increase their grip on society, yeah. maintain Pe- their hold on power and money. Yeah. People got to understand, like, because we're, we're, we're so immersed in words on the internet, right? Like, you got people got to understand, like, words don't matter. In fact, words are usually misleading. People are very good at laying down uh, distractions and miscues as to really what's going on. What you got to pay attention to is not words, but actions. What are people doing? And that is often secret and unknown. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think that we get this. Well, this is really we're just we're just talking about anything and everything, aren't we? But like. I think you get this chat. We're talking you know, about the Tao of America. We're trying to know the Tao of America. Yeah, it's a, it, it is a, and here's the thing. I don't think it's, the one thing I've uh, come to believe is that America is just as America as it always was. And it's just that the latest, the latest crises to beset America are, is like the tide going out and we're starting to see the underlying corruption and just sort of like naked power and ambition that drives America. And there's a, there's a great scene. I just watched Shannon and I've been watching uh, uh, Mad Men. Oh, and there's a great scene where Pete Campbell, you know, Pete Campbell. Oh yeah. He wants a promotion. Love to hate him. Yeah. So Pete Campbell wants a promotion to head of accounts because Don Draper just got promoted to partner because everyone thinks Roger Sterling is about to die because he just had his second heart attack. Right. Okay. Mm -hmm. So, so he thinks like, okay, natural succession, Don Draper goes up a spot. I want to go up a spot. And Don Draper tells him to fuck off because he just doesn't like him. (laughs) And Pete's got the goods on him. He knows that Don is a fake character. He knows that his real name is Dick Whitman he knows that he's lying about his origins. He he knows that Don Draper stole the identity of a dead man. You know all this stuff. Not not a spoiler, people. This is a uh, season one, and he goes to he threatens Don and says, "If you don't make me head of accounts, well then I might just have to tell the truth to Bert Cooper, who's the senior partner of the firm, the old man." And eventually, Don, who's refusing to budge marches in with Pete into Bert's office. They have to take their shoes off because he's a Japanophile. And then it comes out. Pete says, I feel that I have to inform you that Don Draper is not who he says he is. He's a man named Dick Whitman. He stole somebody's identity. We don't know who he really is. Uh, You know, whatever. And Bert Cooper says, who cares? He's like, what? I remember that. He's like, no, who cares? Matter. Yeah. He was like, this country was built by men with much worse reputations and backgrounds than what you're alleging here. 
you know, and I thought that that was such a great line and something that really, if you really want to know America, you know, I think that's America, you know, that, that was a very American line. Yeah. That's not a, that's not a diss. That's right. That's not necessarily an insult to America, right? This is just saying this is, this is how this country came to be. It's a very young country, right? Full of a grab bag of people just bouncing from, from wherever they came from, usually with a ton of uh, problems, right? Like, this country is not full of the 1% of the motherland, right? Um, scraping by and kind of, str- kind of, you know, building it up from scratch, kind of create the, the creation, the creation myth is just, uh, is Don Draper basically, you know, a self-invented yeah. person. Yeah. Yep. Um, the, that, that, the, the, the philo- the American, the, you know, the true American philosopher is still Zane Ron, uh, on Rand or however you pronounce her name. I think it's just yeah, Anne Rand. Anne Rand. Yeah. It's still oh. this, it's still America as the one free place in the world. But by free, we don't mean like you have freedom, which is like this really, you know, debauched white trash view of freedom, right? Or it's maybe, not a, liberation. Maybe, a shit, maybe a shit live view of freedom. Yeah. But what it means is like, well, maybe the shit libs have it right, but what they really mean is, you know, a kind of like almost like state-sponsored Darwinian contest, you know, to so that the great men, you know, will will emerge. And that's kind of how it is. Um, yeah, I don't think that's what is really happening. I think that's the belief. That is, the and myth, it creates yeah. a certain culture of just like very sharp elbows. And very little room to be soft, you know, and to care about like larger social uh, ideas and larger social notions of like larger social responsibilities. It is very much like I'm here to struggle and succeed. And I think now that we don't have a more like, you know, as the as the entire basis for this giant competition starts to, you know, the economy basically starts to sputter, starts to like, you know, it has the jitters. It's not working quite as well as it used to. And there's not enough, there's really not that much growth left. I mean, the American economy is very stagnant. Um, I just get the feeling like we're in a very, weird place right now where like the dynamism is gone but we have a culture of dynamism remaining and then it just becomes grift now everything's just becoming very grifty very scammy and social standards and mores are getting lower by the minute and it's just it's it just reeks of scam in, in America. Do you get that same feeling as me? It's just very scammy yeah. right now. A lot of on gambling, a co- lot of on drugs. The come up, when it's coming uh-huh. up, a, like a society coming up, mm-hmm. kind of has that same wild, kind of has, has a, a wild west feel, right? Anything goes, the rules aren't locked in. So there is a lot of scam and grift on the, on the way coming up. It's also going to be true on the way coming down, probably harder, right? On com- coming up, you know, the Don Draper story is a fantasy, Coming down, it's Sam Bankman-Fried. 
Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. um, it's not a it going up. It's fantasy on the way down. It's a lie. Right. So it's I think it's actually fine for for America to to have that as it's it's its basis. But people need to know what they're getting into. Right. Like if you talk about freedom, people see equated with like liberation. But for a human being, a social being, this kind of freedom is more like a vacuum. It's an emptiness, an absence of something. And people can't sustain themselves off of just, you know, capitalist striving here. And I think we're finding we're finding that out in a really in a really hard way. Right. There is no social cohesiveness. There's no sense of like generational um, connection or obligation responsibility. Right. Well, there's no path. I, I feel like there's no like the American dream has become an anachronism. And I feel like. What everyone has now, and this is the overwhelming sense that I get from younger, like the culture of youth in America, that I think is very visible these days in social media and online. And I don't believe that this is, oh, it's just social media. Look, everyone's on fucking social media. You know, I, I hate this idea that people have that what people really need to do is get off social media and touch grass because I'm like, but that's where everyone is. You see what I'm saying? It's like true. It's where everything's happening, right? If you go to the park and touch grass, there's nobody there. Yeah. <laughs> so if you want to be alone, sure. Um, maybe what they're saying is you should be alone, which is, I'm fine with that. But people what, do I'm need seeing, to... what I'm people, seeing online... People aren't uh, yeah there's a there's a talent to being by yourself and alone with your thoughts um people oh, yeah. need to do that but i also think we're also a chronically lonely people too well for sure and um, but i think that what, what i was going to say is that the overwhelming feeling that i'm getting now is that you can't be earnest you can't believe in some like preset path of what you're quote supposed to do and that's now just utterly looked down upon mm-hmm. it, and it doesn't even exist you know it'd be one thing if there was something that you were supposed to do a clear path forward and you just your people were like oh that's not cool man you know you just, it's not you got to be smarter than that shit okay fine but that doesn't even exist and yeah, so yeah. the response to that is like why like there is no well, benefit and, and a- also what are you talking about like yeah. you know what do you, you know and yeah, maybe maybe the idea is maybe it's as simple as going to college and getting a job but now people are like, with a legitimate question, are like, why would I go to college if, it, if all it really does is going to load me up with debt yeah, and I got to start paying that shit off right away? But there isn't like any guaranteed or you know, great job prospects for me coming out of college. And what I'm seeing online more than anything is this, is this, is this culture and this sort of like mode of thinking this like consciousness of like, I always have to have a grift going on. Like I always got to have a hustle, an angle, a hack. Mm-hmm. If you're not hacking life, if you're not finding some little shortcut, if you're not doing things a little bit out of the, you know, you know, out of the ordinary or a little bit, um, you know, a little bit like this is my own like little hack, my own little secret sauce, then you're just falling behind. Everyone needs a hack. And I'm not criticizing that so much as I'm just saying I think they're right. I think I think people do need a hack. You know, they need they need to have like an exper- like a somewhat experimental and novel approach to life. Uh just just it's like having a, a ticket, you know, 
for the lotto. It's like everyone's got to punch a card and they've got to pick some numbers and go with it. Uh, there isn't a default position. Everyone's got to take a risk. I don't know if this is a very abstract way of saying this, but I'm basically saying like everyone needs a little angle these days. Everyone needs an angle, you know, like in a noir. Well, we need it. We need it because there we don't have access to time tested actual rules to any of this that governs all of us. Yeah, and we're we're living in a low growth environment, you know, uh-huh. where where and we don't is... have access to to like there's no like ancestral America America to to tap into with like time tested cultural norms, right? Ways of being, ways of relating there... to people. It's not. It doesn't exist. Well, and there, I mean. We don't even have to go that deep. I mean, there's no like, you know, simple Microsoft uh, fucking certification thing that you can get and guarantee you a hundred twenty thousand dollar a year job or you know whatever they'll you know or get like Wait, that it used to be. It used to be very simple. I mean, you just go get oh. your your CPA or you get oh, your MS, I see what MSCE you mean. Okay, or okay. whatever. And you know, there's way you know there there were like pre built ways for you to get ahead. Mm-hmm. You see what I'm saying? And they were legit. They were legit. You get trained. Yeah, in there this was thing. a guarantee. You, you put your money yeah. down. For, you you invest your couple of years. You put down some amount of money, and at the end of that, you're gonna you're gonna get what you came for. Exactly. And now they're just saying like, okay, now you're gonna have to invest more time and even more money, and it's gonna be like a hard maybe at the end of that if you're gonna hard maybe. be able to yeah. hard maybe mm-hmm. uh, at best that yeah. what's waiting for you at the end of that is even going to be remotely worth your while. Yes. Like I don't, as a person, like I don't, I wouldn't trust it enough to invest into that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, so collectively, it's... this is, this is what, what's going on. And then to see like, Oh, Gen Z has no long-term vision. Uh, Gen Z does not want to work hard for anything or sa- sacrifice. And like, what fucking reason have we given them to do that? Yeah, exactly. What, what, what bargain you know, are are you making with these people? And there like, is none. There's no bargain to be made. So they just become grifters. You know, there's everyone no, there's is nothing a, else everyone's turning into a fucking grifter. Even doctors are grifters. I I know uh, so many doctors who are just like hawking like these weird fucking pills and sh- and like skincare products and shit on social media. Oh yeah, it's a um, real thing. Like yeah. if you have a yeah. If, you need to have a social media presence. You have to have your own little curated line, your own little brand presence on Instagram or something with sassy TikTok dances, and that's how you have. That's how you survive as like a dermatologist or something. Yep. And everyone's getting into that. Everyone's got an angle. Everyone's got a mm-hmm. grift, or everyone's got a rich parent, or everyone's got a some... banker husband, something, a lawyer wife. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So it's a centralization of wealth too. So even the people that seem like they're on the the fringes of that, they have like a family connection to you know, the Fed basically. And I, you know, you know I honestly, it makes it makes me really sad in a way to think about people who are very like very earnest, mm-hmm. like that with that personality, the belief that if I follow the rules, if I do the right thing, if I please people, I'll be rewarded. You know, like those are really nice people <laughs> you know a lot of times that's a recipe you know generally what? often for very nice but somewhat maybe naive people no do you know what and you just described what's that the vast majority of people yeah that's the sad part isn't it <laughs> yeah that means that people who <laughs> are part. just looking to you know yeah. 
follow the follow the rules get you know get 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 what's theirs you know put in do their time get the reward yeah, they're honest. you know they're just honest they're people. not trying to scam anybody they're just trying to earn an, an honest living you know nobody they don't want to be fucked with they don't want to fuck with anybody else just just they want a nice little house and a family you know a little a little pension maybe i don't know that's a normal life that's a normal person and by definition that's the majority of people you're, like what you're saying right now is that we've constructed it such that unless you're an, a literal outlier psycho, you cannot fully thrive in this in this environment. Yeah, though I, I, I what I'm saying is that I think that most yeah I'd agree that most people are like that, but most people are also willing to, you know, play ball a little bit. You know, like. You know they're willing to they they understand that the world is not always you know straightforward and fair and so you know whatever um but it's a spectrum and i think that you know the the further out you go towards the spectrum and you get people who are just like really honest and just really and it's kind of a simple personality i'd say i just feel bad like we're not we don't care about these people <laughs> they're just like we're just going and that's to what the devour mythos them. of America is actually built on, right? That's yeah. the the archetypal, you know, heterosexual middle class family from like the nineteen sixties, right? Dad has a little engineering job or, you know, is a postman or something, right? Like somehow we constructed the myth of America to be that norm normie guy. I guess I'm describing Asians. I, I feel like in a way I'm describing Asians who come here with you know, pretty good, solid educational credentials and believe that the path forward is to study hard, put your head down, work. And it's funny how, like, that's almost demonized within the Asian American studies complex as model minority. And that's like somehow a form of being complicit with white supremacy or I don't know what it is. Yeah. Uh, model, mean, that's it's... model minority, right? But I mean, to me, I'm, I don't really think in those terms. I've I've never bought into Asian American studies crap anyway. I just think of that as like, no, that's just people coming here and doing what supposedly people are 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 uh, ought to be doing. Yeah, that's they're making a deal. That's it, right? Like, yeah. I am going to come it's here, doing the fucking thing. I will follow your rules. Your rules are pretty clear here. You do X, Y, and Z, and then you go and you and you go to you go to school. You can't get this kind of job without this kind of degree. Fine, we'll go get that degree. We'll do we'll do we'll we'll do what it takes to get there. And then the promise is, I get that job. I get to you know, practice. You know, I get stable employment. I get the money I'm owed. And then that's that. I have done my bit. I have followed the rules. And you are. And we're going to hold you to your end of that contract. That if we follow the rules, you're going to pay up. Yeah. It's a very simple transaction, I think. Yeah. And I, I and, and I and I feel like um there are probably uh you know, there's a there, there's probably a lot of bursted bubbles out there, you know, in terms of people who uh and I think it's getting worse, you know, people who have done the right thing and put the work in and now they're starting to see that the deal was not really all that carved set in stone and uh yeah now that makes me I mean, understand isn't that the why heart of the affirmative action uh controversy like we're collectively saying 
yeah, we're collectively saying we are following the rules. You say to do well in the SAT, uh, rack up those extracurriculars, do well in school, stay in mm. school, you know, uh, mm. be a law abiding citizen and all of that. And your your pathway to the American middle and upper classes is secured. Yeah. That you, was the social contract. We were told here. by the very people who were saying that to begin with that, whoa, 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 whoa. You guys are cheating. You guys are anti-black. You guys are trying to steal spots away from other people. And you guys are one-dimensionally of horrible personalities and whatever. And then, so the blame is heaped on to the Asian people for being, you know, grade-grubbing model minority people. But you peek under the hood Somehow and I'm like, no, they're the just system. elbowing you out because they want to get their kids in. And they don't want their kids to have to compete with you because they don't really want to work that hard. They don't see the point <laughs> because they're already kind of rich. They just, all they need is for their kids to have a somewhat decent record you know college records so that they can go out and it won't look so bad when they get nepotized you know nepotismed into their whatever job that that's mm-hmm. all it really means so yeah it's a it's a fucked up it's a very fucked up con- social contract here and it's not for the faint of heart and if you really want to be uh successful in america you got to have an angle you got to have your own angle as to how things work you cannot have, you cannot just like outsource your life strategy to common sense, wisdom, things like that. You can't. Or relying on the wisdom of the masses or that yeah. institutions will abide by the rules that you think are in place. You got to be a free agent. You mm-hmm. have to be willing to have sharp elbows. You've got to be able to put, you know, understand your priorities and that you are at the center of your own priorities. You've got to be a little bit selfish. You know, you've got to be careful about, you know, who you associate with and who you end up marrying. And you got to be careful about all that shit. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's not, you know, we're just, it's just not that type of society where like we set up it in generation, and, you know, in a, in a sense where, oh, you, you know, we've taken care of a lot of like the planning and stuff. Your job is to just work hard, do the things that you're told. Uh, and, you know, and we look down on that idea. Whereas I'm like, no, that would be fucking ideal. That would be like the perfect society if like the younger generation just sort of had like a program that they like grudge, you know, like they just went into and you're like, oh, this is what I do. No, it's a, it's like every generation has to completely self-invent itself. Um, we we, we kind of so. had that for a little moment on the come up when the country was on the come up for a couple of decades. Yeah, I think you and I got to live through it a little bit. We got a little mm-hmm. taste of it. And it, it tasted it tasted nice. It tasted Look, good. When the was... country cared about like production, like actual production, and it needed yeah. qualified people to to keep staffing that productive engine, that's when you're forced to care. This yeah. pivot to a service economy really did a number on on how we value people. Like, well, I think service economy turned out to be something different than what we yes thought. But it I'm was talking be. about yeah. like. When it was a major, when it was a matter of like national, uh, a national urgency to have like a core of engineers, right? To have strong, uh, a, a lot of a lot of engineering talent, a lot of STEM talent, a lot of uh, people in in law, like the knowledge industries, right? Mm-hmm. Um, there was a lot more care towards making sure institutions followed the rules. 
right? Like I think like for science education was extremely meritocratic for a while, right? The usual the usual caveat, caveats like 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 no, I'm not discounting that you know like like black students were barred from entry to 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 schools and stuff like they did mm-hmm. and these communities didn't have yeah, the resources to be able to educate. So it was never perfect. I'm saying, but for there. This inst- this kind of meritocratic pathway did exist, not for everybody, but it did exist. And that same pa- that same institution no longer exists for almost anybody now. Yeah, it's getting. I mean, I think it 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 does exist, but in the very high end of things, like the yes. high end of the academic tiers, and you know, outside of those very high end meritocratic, you know, extremes. I, I just don't think. I I don't. I think it's a different kind of sort I think the narrowing yeah. actually created the high end, right? Like I I uh like have you read Hackers the book? No. The movie the, the movie is has nothing to do with this book, but it's mm-hmm. it's basically the history of like computers in America, right? Um and the one of the craziest so they 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 go they uh like it's it's you know some people at like MIT or Stanford, you know, illustrious institutions, but like some of the stories are insane to to somebody reading it here in 2023. Like one of the guys that they interviewed, um, like literally just walked in to the lab in like 1962 or something, started like just got a job, a summer job at a high school working. And then, and then they're like, you can't, you can't really be here if you're not a student here. So he just, so he just like walked to the admissions office and was like, I'm already working here. So can you just mm-hmm. enroll me? And they're mm-hmm. like, yeah, sure. Do you, do you like this stuff? He's like, yeah, I love this. this semiconductors. Yeah. I mean, we might have one whole megabyte of memory soon. Like this is, this is some real shit going down. And they're mm-hmm. like, sure. Welcome to the class of 1968. <laughs> um, and there's stories like that. Right. So no one's discounting that like if this guy were like a poor black kid from Harlem, he would not have had that opportunity. No one is 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 saying that 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 world did not exist here. But I don't know who you can be today in 2023 to be a 17 year old kid and just walk into the admissions office at, at, at MIT and be like, so I need to go here if I want to work here. So can you can we work something out? Yeah, no. The yep. University of California, like we we just we just got through talking about them too, right? They were originally chartered so that anybody in California who wanted an education could get one. That's literally in the charter from like eighteen ninety or what whatever it was. They were cons- so that the children of like farm workers, uh, whoever, would have access to a good quality education. It was supposed to be free for California residents. Though, you know, I think I believe uh, that talking about it this way sets us up a little bit for the belief that we could still have that, but for these corruptions and, you know, debasements of the system. But that we should go back to that. Though I'm not sure about that because I, I feel like that was a very special time where we were entering into a period of technological change and growth that we just don't have anymore. I mean, you're we correct. Could have it not, again, but I, I feel mean, like it's back a, then it has it was, to be a collective, a collective uh, understanding of some kind of, some kind of vision of growth for the future, right? That requires bo- trained bodies now. But what happens if we just don't have 
the runway for growth anymore. Then like, we have then we turn into what England turned into. Right? We have plenty of stories for that. We're on the we're on the decline now. So we're gonna see things like education becoming a commodity good for the wealthy. It's just, just I just wanna like know I just wanna stage. know if we don't have growth, if we don't have uh a uh a like this drive towards the future and we don't have social mobility as one of the key you know of, you know social effects of that economic mobility as one of the key you know primary like positive uh results then what do we live for you know and i think that other countries have been a lot i think J- japan and france come to mind um are countries that have like taken seriously this notion that the the days of economic growth are basically behind them and they can no longer think about the future in terms of getting richer and necessarily more advanced technology technologically that that will probably happen the technological part i think is just going to happen but a lot of it seems rather dystopian if you ask me i'm not sure it's it's all good. I think a lot of it's majority of it might be kind of bad, but they have talked about what happens in a low growth or even near zero or negative growth environment. And like the shape of like life, like what are you supposed to live for in that case? Cause it seems odd to me that just because the economy isn't growing, then people shouldn't find a reason to live. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like that's weird. Uh, but it is a it somehow I think is becoming a major like spiritual question in America is like if we're not going to be number one in everything if we don't have if our best days are behind us if we're not going to necessarily be like hurtling our way into this like amazing future that currently only exists in science fiction novels or whatever uh, or you know whatever. Mm-hmm. then like what is the point you know and i don't know i it it's a really good question but so far it seems to be let's panic and make sure that we are not the first to get kicked off of the privileged boat that's the end of part one of this two-part podcast if you want to hear the second part it's available on our patreon feed if you want to join the patreon go to patreon.com slash planning